0: In three, two, one.
1: Are you ready to live the life you love? What is your passion, really? What do you love? What are your goals? Do you feel stuck or frustrated with a job, relationship, or other life situation? Then this episode's for you. Embracing greatness takes the lid off previously held beliefs you have about yourself and the world around you. The process revealed in this episode helps you uncover the special contributions you're meant to make in the world and action steps towards them. Get ready to transform your life, your relationships, emotional and physical health, financial freedom, happiness, business, and creative expression. Join me now for my conversation with professional and personal development expert, speaker, and best-selling author, Sophia Falke. Well, hi, Sophia. Welcome to the podcast. We're so happy to have you.
0: Thank you. I'm loving this. It's wonderful to get to know you.
1: You too. Now, where are we talking to you from? Where are you at these days?
0: The Las Vegas area.
1: Las Vegas. Excellent. Well, it's a great hub and it's a good location for conferences as well. So now, Sophia, you've been helping people, organizations and businesses embrace their greatness with practical transformational tools that they can use to identify their passion, what they love, what their goals are, what their dreams are, and even what their kryptonite is. I love that term in one of your YouTube videos. And you've written a book entitled Embracing Greatness, A Guide for Living the Life You Love. And in that book, you really go into detail. And we'll go into some of the details in that book. Why did
0: you write that book? I actually got nagged into writing the book because I've been working with people and I have a colleague who kept saying, I have to put it in a book form. And I I said, there's nothing new in what I'm saying. She said, yes, but they haven't heard it in your voice. And finally, just really to get her to stop telling me to write the book, I wrote it. And I'm so happy I did because it has made a difference. I had an experience in a parking lot. We're all going in for an event and this woman comes up to me and she said, will you stop yelling in my head? And in the way she (laughs) at me, I I was thinking, oh my goodness, is she going to hit me? And basically it was because uh, after reading the book several times, doing the exercises, when she started to go down a road that wasn't serving her, she would hear me, my voice in her head going, Stop.
1: You're hunting her. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I love. That So to get that kind of response from people, it's
1: gratifying. Well, sure. And it's all about connection. I mean, you have the message and you have the messenger. And sometimes some of the principles we talk about might have been around for a little while, but in your recipe or your way of explaining them, there's that connection. And when you're ready, the teacher appears. It's full of meat and potatoes. I did have a chance to read the book prior to our interview today and our conversation about greatness. Let's define it. First of all, how are you defining greatness? Because everybody maybe has a, what success is or what greatness is defines it a little Differently. How do you define it, first of all? And then why embrace it?
0: For me, everyone has greatness within them. We are all wired a little differently. My strengths are someone else's weaknesses, and vice versa. For me, greatness is really drawing forth your highest and best
1: best version of you.
0: Exactly. And that greatness might be being the clerk at the grocery store, it might be being a corporate executive. So draw it forth instead of keeping it hidden. And I think our society encourages people to keep their talents and their greatness hidden.
1: What you're saying is we need to maximize our potentiality, whatever it is. So if we're a rose, we want to go to full bloom and be the most beautiful rose we possibly can be. If we're here anyway, why not be the best version of that, of yourself, right? And reach that potentiality. So I get the fact that we want to embrace our greatness. Why do people resist that? Why is that such an elusive thing for many?
0: I think a lot of it is because we're programmed again. So we get should upon quite a bit when we're young.
1: Right. You call it autopilot in your book. Talk more about that. That's important.
0: Well, we do get into a rhythm and it's uncomfortable to step out of that. There's a great book, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. And we're in a box. And even if it's painful, it's what we know. So we're comfortable there, even if it's painful. But if we just step outside that box into the next one, even though it's uncomfortable at first, then that becomes our normalcy. And so it's getting people to keep stepping out of their box, whatever it is, and eventually throw the box away.
1: Well, when you say quit getting should upon, (laughs) it was good play on words, and everybody's told you should do this. I remember my parents, hey, you should do this, you should do this, and you hear it a lot, and should should almost be removed from a vocabulary. There's no should, but people have a lot of shoulds that corrupt their thinking, if you will, or change their direction, like, hey, I'm not good enough. What kinds of shoulds should we be paying attention to?
0: Well, the shoulds that we have regarding our gender, regarding our race, regarding our ethnicity, our countries of origin, and and all of that, that we're also being pigeonholed, being told that, well, these people are this way, and this is how we should believe or treat them. And that just doesn't work. I think that's one of my frustrations is there's not a pie that we have to keep slicing up. And if I get a bigger piece, you get less. It's an infinite pie. There are no limits to it. I've watched with the pandemic over the last few years. And when you look for the good, how innovative people have had to become the new industries. We were on the road to some of the breakthroughs that we had, but it hurried it up by five, 10 years.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So there are people who were forced into entrepreneurship because they lost their jobs. Well, some of
1: us speakers, we had to do other things too, because I don't know about you, but all my engagements canceled But yeah, that kind of put an end to things.
0: Well, the thing is, too, though, we as speakers pivoting. Right to go online. And I know a few speakers here in Las Vegas, their business was better than ever. They were ready for that shift and they got into it. They worked a lot with corporate. Right. So that it was easier for them to do it that way. I know one speaker, she says, I'm not going anywhere anymore. I'm just doing it here from my home office.
1: That's been the benefit. We transformed and started, because of our sales marketing organization, we trained our clients on how to have really effective Zoom meetings and virtual meetings. So we changed our main program to added the virtually behind it or remotely, And it kept us busy, so I get that. Going back to the should on yous, because that's important. That's really requiring judgment. We see this in our politics a lot. We see the divisiveness in our country, even, where we see you should do this. Right now, there's political things based on gender. In certain states, I know Florida particularly is dealing with that issue right now, as others, where, no, you should be this, or you were born this way, you should be that. And you're right, it's divvying up the pie, and it creates stress, it creates anxiety for people. It's a labeling that does not unify and what you're saying is if we can get rid of the shoulds it's inclusive we've got the diversity the inclusivity it makes for a better planet
0: well basically we all have the same needs the needs for shelter the need to be loved and to love the need for being included being respected and so on whether you're at the the executive suite at the top of new york city Right Power, or if you're in the jungles of the Amazon, Sure, you have the same needs. and when they are being met, then everything is harmonious. And when they're not being met, that's when we have the divisiveness. So I think if we could all recognize that we have the same needs, how can we find a way to meet those needs that will support everyone or as many right. as possible? Right. then then it's going to be more harmonious in this country right well what
1: keeps people from living full out and going after their greatness you talked about the autopilot and we get into routines what stops folks from going full out and going for
0: it part of it's the comfort zone this is what i know yeah and part of it is not having someone there to model for you what it's like to be in that position a lot of times we see people who are successful and we think well i can never get there and what we don't know is their backstory. That's why I like to tell their stories so that I can see that you started out where I am or even you had less to work with and you got to the position you're at, whether the position is that you're happy yep. and contented with life or you have that job that I want. Whatever it is, you, if you're in political office that you got there, that I can do it too. So I think it's having the role models and asking for help, uh, allowing ourselves to dream that's one of the exercises I have people go through. What would you love? And ask them to step into this three years from now. And we're t- having a chat and looking back. What do you want to tell me you've accomplished?
1: Yeah. What needs to occur for you to be happy about your progress, right? And yeah. have, have that vision. This episode is sponsored in part by Rainmaker Digital Solutions featuring Active Campaign. Looking to drive growth with customer experience automation? ActiveCampaign, the number one marketing automation platform for e-commerce, B2C, and B2B companies gives you the email marketing, marketing automation, and CRM tools you need to create incredible customer experiences. ActiveCampaign is the platform we use to reach, nurture, convert, and grow our business and you can use it to grow yours. You can see why 150,000 plus businesses like yours choose Active Campaign to help them grow and become preferred in the markets they serve. You can also start your free trial by visiting our website and clicking on the Active Campaign trial link. As a bonus, we'll also give you a digital copy of my book, Becoming Preferred, how to outsell the competition. And in the interest of full disclosure, I am a shareholder in the company. And now back to my conversation with Sophia Falky. Now, you mentioned secure. we all have our needs, but in today's world, when you're trying to survive or feed your family or just pay the bills, it's hard to work as Maslow's hierarchy of needs towards that self-actualization to where we can go, oh, now I get to focus on my greatness and achieve what I want to do. So there's got to be starting points. And in your book, you do talk about, and you have a formula and five or six tools starting with identifying your negative self-talk and so let's go through some of those if we can in your process so the first one you have is identifying negative self-talk and what does that look like what should we be looking for
0: every time we're telling ourselves we can't or shouldn't right it won't work that's negative self-talk or who do i think i am to think i could right that's negative self-talk when you look in the mirror and if you go
1: imposter syndrome
0: yeah and a lot of us have that Mm -hmm. and it's like I don't believe they actually hired me. Well, yeah, they hired you because they saw something in you that maybe you don't see yet. So all of those things where you start to doubt yourself Mm -hmm. or you believe when someone else tells you you can't do something for some reason. I grew up in the women's lib era. first, I was told I should learn how to type and take shorthand because I can always find a job. What my mother didn't realize is the typing part, spot on. The shorthand I don't really need, but to be told what I could and couldn't do and then the battle against that, It's hard for anybody in those situations, and the same goes for men, and I mentioned this in my book also, is men are supposed to hold on to a job, support the family, do all of these roles, go out and fight for your country, and so on, and if you don't fit that model, then there's something wrong with you.
1: Yeah, the traditional model is interesting. I remember one time the kids were cleaning up afterwards, and my eldest daughter said, Hey, Scott, you take out the garbage and I'll do the dishes because boys take out the garbage and girls do the dishes. And I immediately put the brakes on that when I say, Scott, you're doing the dishes, Ashley, take the garbage out. And having five daughters, they taught me a lot about that as well, but we still see it and it's been so slow to change and evolve. Like women are still not paid equally to what men are paid in the workplace. Where does that negative stuff come from? Is it passed on from generations? So our parents do the best that they can, but then their biases and their programming comes on to us. And so when we start off young, we're seems like we're fresh and we're ready to embrace the world and then the negative stuff comes up the shoulds start to show up which start to act like a wet blanket on our
0: dreams yeah we are supposed to fit and keep our place in what society has set Mm -hmm. up so i have this dream this vision (laughs) that i'll live long enough to see a woman president in this country and i find it And and I'm not talking about anyone who's been candidates, whether they were worthy of it or not. Right. Okay. So we're not even going there, please. But can we be in a situation where it's a no-brainer? It is so ingrained.
1: Right. Your second one is once you eliminate your self talk and look for the things that are stopping you or obstacles is to lean into that vision or take time to have that vision, but then lean into it. What do you mean by lean into it?
0: It's becoming that person. That's one of the reasons I, I take people through the exercise of imagine yourself in three years already living that life Mm -hmm. because then you start to program yourself because our subconscious is interesting it doesn't judge what we put into it it just accepts it right so if we start putting the negative self-talk then our conscious mind is going to keep drawing from that if we're in crisis but if we start to become that person we think like that person speak like that person and act like that person who's already accomplished it. Then our subconscious thinks that that's, oh, that's what you are. And your autopilot then becomes you are that person.
1: So practice it before you get there and then just lean into it and focus on it.
0: It's the same for companies. I'm leading an organization now through a strategic planning process. And when we started at the end of the first session, One of the board members said, thank you. We didn't even know we should be asking these questions. And what I'm getting them into the place of, so they've got the vision, mission, and values, and they've got their big, fat, hairy goals started. (laughs) And now now I'm stepping back because it's for them to step into. But I keep circling back. So if you're already this organization, what would you be doing now? What would the people that are part of your client base or your employees, what would they be doing? And start acting as if. So it's really, it's a very simple.
1: I had a guest on a few weeks ago, Jim Cathcart. And Jim was talking about at one point in his life, he was a little overweight and then he decided one day that he wanted to be a slim person, somebody who was slender. And so he figured out all the things that slender people do and mm-hmm. he started adapting and he just made the conscious choice to do it. That was the end of it. And right. he never went back and he's in great shape. He's also a speaker and, and bestselling author multiple times, but decided what it was that he wanted and then saw that picture and then started living it. So it can happen immediately for organizations and individuals then. Yes. That's encouraging. Well, number three you have in your process there is to be passionate. So once you've leaned into your vision, how do you develop that passion? What does that look like? Is there a process to develop and get excited about that? We all run into people who just don't seem to be excited about anything, right? So Mm -hmm. how how do you ignite passion in someone or an organization?
0: A lot of it is the clarity of the vision. And that vision is coherent with your own values, what it is that you love. In the book, I have a quotation by W.H. Murray about until one is committed, there's hesitancy, the chance to draw back. But once, I'm paraphrasing terribly here, but once you commit yourself, then all manner of unforeseen resources come rushing to you. And that's what happens when you get that clarity of vision and you step into it. I've had examples in my own life that my vision was so clear that didn't matter whether I did things in the right order or the way they should be done, et cetera. It happened. because it didn't even dawn on me that I would not achieve it because it was so clear.
1: How important is it to have your team, if you're running an organization, to be part of that creation of that vision, to ignite their passion? If they're part of the solution, do they tend to be a little more open to and excited about it? Yeah,
0: it's absolutely necessary. Absolutely necessary to have them involved and to be open to their input. When I worked for the state of Arizona years ago, the governor, Fyce Symington, I don't know if you remember him. I do. He started the, Total quality management process throughout the state, and it was asking the employees what they thought needed to be addressed and asking them for the answers. Now, motor vehicles was a huge success an example of asking the employees what we should do. Where I was working, we tried it, and management wasn't willing to listen. They were afraid to let go of control. Right. So when you do engage people at every level, then it it. Just spreads. I mean, the customers realize that there's something exciting going on. If you're looking for funding, that's going to come to you. Who All the other this? issues
1: go away, but you've got to have that mindset going into it. That's interesting. Passion, everyone has a different level of what they get excited about. And mm-hmm. if you can find your passion, I think that goes hand in hand with whatever your greatness and potentiality is. The fourth one you have is to celebrate tiny wins or your triumph. Yes. And why is that so important?
0: Well, I'm one who violates that. Oh, gosh, yes. I'm terrible. Okay, I I did this. Now what's the next thing? What's the next thing? Instead of really appreciating Mm -hmm. what I've accomplished and going, yes. Uh, It's interesting.
1: uh, Nothing was good enough. I don't know if this ever happens to you, but even as a speaker, I find sometimes I can go and deliver a a program. The audience receives it well. It could be a standing ovation on it. I wave at the audience and I leave the stage. And in my heart of hearts, I know I could have done better and I'm not satisfied. And (laughs) it's kind of like taking that tiny win and doing a high five and going, hey, I I kicked that one out of the park. Is that what you're talking about?
0: Yeah, because what you appreciate, what you celebrate, focus on, that's what grows. That's what expands. There's a whole line of leadership which is called appreciative inquiry, which is really focusing on what you do well. Right. And when you do that, it expands.
1: Now the last one you have on there is to take the leap of faith. To give you an example, it was even creation of the podcast. Wanted to do this three years ago, but we were so busy with other projects that what was set on the back burner. I knew speaking in front of an audience, that was going to be easy. Training, that was all easy. Writing books, even though they're process driven doing the podcast and throwing yourself out there was a challenge and it was like ooh what if it doesn't go and what if we're not comfortable with that or maybe i'm going to go try a different job or a different marketplace or try something completely different and revolutionary that takes a leap of faith right yes it does is there a mechanism you can use we're on the edge of that cliff here's the nudge we need
0: mm-hmm. here again the clarity of the vision getting support finding the like-minded people who are going to cheer you on right and say yes you can do this I think that's important and stepping into the abyss what is it when you come to the edge of the cliff what is the saying and you step off either there will be a hand there to support you or you will learn to fly
1: (laughs) yeah one or the other Yeah. yeah well i know you tell a story about a frog in your work where you talk about a frog that's expanding its boundaries and it hops out of the well or the bucket and then sees a bigger pond and from the bigger pond goes to a lake and then from a lake to a river and so forth, keeps discovering more as it keeps expanding. Then you look backwards and you go, why didn't I leave this before? It always surprises me how many people never travel outside the state. I remember one time in Detroit, I'm in Detroit and there's Canada, you can see it across the river and you see the flag, there's another country. And I used to ask people, I said, well, have you been over to Canada? And all they have to do is walk across a bridge and they've lived there their whole life and they've never been to that other country. And Mm -hmm. now, now they need passports to do it, but it's surprising. They never travel outside their pond, right? Right. So it's taking that big leap.
0: It is. And I've been to all 50 states, which was fun. I'm now working on my continents. I have three left.
1: Oh, getting around. That's all good. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to the greatness, we've talked about the shoulds, we talk about getting rid of the negative thinking, identifying the negative self-talk, leaning into the vision, getting passionate about it and excited about it. Organizations that do this, are there examples of organizations that have accepted that in greatness and that you've got to work with that embraced it and went, yep, and you've seen that difference in how it can impact the success of an organization or a company?
0: I've worked primarily in nonprofit. Right. So churches, they're an interesting study for them to get their heads around this. And the excitement, though, that builds when they see that there's a common ground for all of them. They share this. I've worked with schools. Previous life, I was working in hospitals and I worked with a very visionary CEO and she would take the organizations and transform them. I mean, that's why they hired her was to turn around the organization. So I've seen how that takes on a life of its own, as long as the leadership continues to support it and requires basically that the people support it. So sometimes there's going to be a turnover in staff because people don't have the mindset.
1: You ask questions with people and like you say, we talk about turnovers within organizations because I think the principles apply to companies or churches or nonprofits. I don't think it matters. It's true principles, but you ask them to identify their passion. And the questions you ask are like, what do you love? Mm -hmm. So what are their goals? what's their dream and then talk about the kryptonite i love the term we use it too you've got your things you do well and i ask speakers on the podcast and some of our guests what's your unique ability and what's your kryptonite Mm -hmm. so if you were going to say what's your unique ability what's unique about sophia what would you tell me and then what would you tell me your kryptonite is or that you've had to focus on or bury somewhere or stick on another planet (laughs)
0: Yeah, out in the backyard. I think one of my strengths is my creativity mm-hmm. and being willing to step forward, to lean in, right? even when I don't know how to do it. Mm. Because somebody does. right? And kryptonite, that's some of the minutiae. Doing that minutiae of, okay, I've got to enter this person or have someone enter the information about this person and those follow-up details. The details. Yeah, that's mine yeah. too.
1: That's mine too. I yeah, see the I'm, big... I'm, Picture, but boy, the details I get bogged down with, and I can chase some of those shiny objects. Sometimes it's like, oh, so yeah. we have, have people who can help with that. That's an interesting point. So, how do we bridge the gap between where an organization or an individual is today and where they want to go? So, you talked about the three years and looking back. So, let's say we do an inventory, we find out where we are, and we're going. Okay, we're on our road and our path to greatness as an organization or an individual. How do I close that gap? How do I prioritize what needs to be done next?
0: Yeah, and that's typical strategic planning process. You do the SWOT analysis, the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And then it is, what is the first step that you can take that's going to get you closer to that goal. And I think that, that closes the gap.
1: Well, you talk about it in your book about smart goals, being specific, measurable, yeah. achievable, relevant, time-based. So you're taking the traditional models that we use in management to right. apply that, but now apply it to a greatness model. What would great look like? Right? What would a great organization, what would an organization of great individuals look
0: like? Yeah, I think it's one that celebrates getting back to those basics, celebrating yourself Right. And showing appreciation. And that could come under this heading of gratitude. Because earlier you said, well, what about the family that worried about putting food on the table and going back to theirs? Where can you start? And that is, what can you be grateful for? Even in a horrible situation, what can you be grateful for? And again, that's something that because you're focusing on it, it grows. So it's the same for an organization. Where do you focus? And it's focusing on the successes and celebrating the people, encouraging them. I have a colleague, she worked in banks for uh, several years, and they kept transferring her to the difficult departments because she did outrageous things like Friday would be play day. It required the employees to play, and it transformed the departments. I mean, who has a play day? Right. Who in their right mind in a corporation and the traditional model plays? Right. And yet it's so essential.
1: it's all part of the productivity we see that all the time people say if they see you having fun you're not being productive and they don't understand the role of that fun in the productivity so it's all about that nice work life balance and creating an environment where people can dream to be great and how do we make the organization better or greater as individuals i ask ceos all the time what's the most important asset of their company and they always tell me their people and then Mm -hmm. i look at their financials and talk about the people and the programs that they have for their people and that's not where their priorities tend to be they pay lip service to it but the priorities aren't Around achieving greatness and mm-hmm. by working on making great people. So, great organizations have to, by their nature, be by great people.
0: Yes. When you, what your priorities are, what's important to you, then you are going to select the people. I remember studying the Ritz Carltons and the Hiltons. You go there and you get excellence in customer service. And I spoke to management in one of those organizations and they said they hire people for their attributes, their personality traits and what's important to them, their values, because they know they can teach them how to do the job. But you cannot teach values and that's cheerfulness and positive attitude and so on.
1: I look at mission statements and I remember when that was the big fad and I'd sit in front of CEO's offices and the mission statement or vision statements right behind them on the wall and I'd ask them if they could repeat it for me or to start Uh without looking and they can't and that's because they just had somebody in marketing department or somebody say something that isn't natural within their own culture so creating a culture of greatness then comes to empowering the individual based on the principles that you have on your book seeing that vision and then setting smart goals in order to achieve and break those things down and then show appreciation. Yeah.
0: And let people buy into it, holding them accountable for that. My coaching, that accountability is so important, but it's also finding out what somebody's strength is and building on that because you can have somebody who loves order and hates you coming to their desk and moving anything. Right. You want them in inventory control. (laughs)
1: exactly put over exactly a
0: creative place where everybody's throwing things around it's not a good fit right so it's finding the right places and rewarding employees and that includes paid time off it amazes me in this country that some organizations still you have to work a year maybe they'll give you a week off
1: and we approach it all wrong. we're probably the worst country in the world for that We put our values in the wrong places. It looks like work productivity. And even if you're having family or kids, and that's why I'm saying, when you have to work sometimes two jobs in order to do it, and if you're a single mom and you're not being paid what I meant, it creates financial hardships. And so it's hard to have an aspiration towards greatness when you're just trying to put food on the table.
0: It's hard and it's possible. And it's building just, you know, those sweet, small steps. And if you can have that dream that you're moving toward something powerful for yourself. And for some families, the parents sacrifice so that their children can achieve their dreams. And we see that immigrant families, especially.
1: And even that wasn't a sacrifice for them. They love to do that. That's where they were fulfilling their roles, right?
0: They did. And I'm one and a half generations American. So I had a little bit of that immigrant background and it's powerful. And yes, that's the people came to this country so that they could build better lives. And I think the same when you're looking at companies, are they about building better lives for their employees and for the community because they're offering a product or service? Then there's something loftier. And that's exciting for people when there is something that they can strive for.
1: You bet. Well, when people embrace their own greatness or their own vision of greatness for themselves and individuals in their organizations, you're going to have better customer service. You're going to have better experiences. People are going to do things as well as they can do them. And so it kind of feeds on itself. So it's a great, great message. Just in wrapping up here for today, any new projects or books you've got coming up?
0: Yes, I'm working on my second book, which is Create the Life You Love, Five Keys to a Life of... Purpose, passion, and possibility. And also, I've started helping entrepreneurs and small business owners write their own books oh, because excellent. they. They have so much knowledge. And so this way they can establish themselves as subject experts.
1: Sure, credibility and authority and in their own business because we all know content is king in today's world. So well, that sounds like something, when can we expect your new book?
0: Oh boy, let me see, September.
1: Okay, we'll have all your contact information, Sophia, in the show notes <laughs> where people yes. can find you there. And if they want to get your book, Embracing Greatness, a guide for living the life you love, they can get that on Amazon and available there or off of your website. But as you say, it's never too late to create... An and live the life you would love it's a life filled with purpose or fun and abundance and you maintain that you already have all that you need to discover how to live the life you would love so to transform your life your relationships your physical emotional and spiritual and health and financial freedom your life and joy your business and creative expression and the ability to do what you want when you want where you want and with whom you want, Embracing Greatness might be just the book for you. So, Sophia, thank you so much for being our guest. Perfect. Thank you so much. My pleasure. This podcast is created and associated with Summit Media. My production team is Bess Smith and Kendra Vickers. The fee for the show is that you share it with friends when you find something useful or interesting. Goodbye.